But I think what makes us quite unique is that the space, we're not a traditional pub. Mm -hmm. We're not a tra traditional bar. Um, we're also not a traditional kind of market space. You know, yeah. we can kind of do a bit of all, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, um, I'd, I'd say maybe more, the more the future is kind of developing spaces that wouldn't necessarily be thought about. Well, kind of being creative spaces, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to see the potential of, oh, there's outdoor spaces, indoor space, how can we get them to work together? No matter what city you live in, it seems like all small business owners are facing the same problems. Bloomberg reports that 8 out of 10 small businesses fail within the first 18 months of operation. Add in rising rents and the competitive nature of any big city, and you have a recipe for financial struggle. Today, we found that more and more brick-and-mortar retailers are combating these numbers by getting creative, especially when it comes to space. By sharing rent, hosting pop-up events, and moving into mixed-use buildings, business owners have found a way to not only cut overhead costs, but also expand their reach. Today on Retail Radio, we're talking to Guy Bell, one of the owners of Peckham Springs, a popular shared retail and event space in one of South London's many culturally thriving neighborhoods. Like many young business owners, Guy has found that opening up his space to other vendors has not only helped his bottom line, it's turned Peckham Springs into a vital part of the local community. This is Ali Cummingor. And this is Mia Douglas, and you're listening to Retail Radio, where we take a look at the state of retail with the entrepreneurs, innovators, and experts that know it best. On this episode, we're talking about shared retail spaces with one of London's local experts on the subject, Guy Bell. We visited Guy at his business in Peckham to talk about creating community through retail. Okay, cool. So, um, my name's Guy. Um, I work at Peckham Springs and Bar Story. Um, I've been here about six years. Um, started working here um, with two friends and we set the place up. Um, we kind of thought it'd be fun to start a bar. Oh. And how how did it evolve from a bar into what, what it is today? So we started out, actually, fun enough, we started up as a pop-up. Um, so we just had a small space, did cocktails, happy hour, so on. Um, friends came down, we didn't. We had a couple of events, we had a gallery, so we did stuff with them. And then it got sort of busier and busier as the area developed and became a bit more of a social kind of hub. Um, and then it's just gradually kind of one step at a time, I guess. Do you, I, as somebody that is not from here, do you want to tell yeah. me a little bit about the area and yeah. like how it's changed? Yeah. Okay. So well, Peckham was always like kind of, kind of notoriously rough, really. <laughs> it wasn't the sort of place to go after the dark and it always had a bit of a kind of artistic community. And there's a couple of uh, universities nearby, Campbell School of Art and Goldsmiths. Um, and then it gradually got a bit kind of hipster as there were some clubs and some bars and cafes started to pop up and it sort of managed to lose its reputation. It was cheap to live as well. Um, and then it was on the, it got put on the tube map and then suddenly you get from Dawson or Shoreditch to Peckham and then it kind of created a sort of going out sort of scene. And that was about five, four years ago. Okay. Um, and it's sort of steadied off a bit now, but it's kind of one of the places you can go out on them, I guess. Cool. And so now, I know you guys have yoga and you have like your markets here. Yeah. Is there any other stuff you have? Yeah, so we, so we started out just as doing, just doing cocktails Thursday, oh. Friday, Saturday. And we've since kind of developed the space a lot more. So we do most Saturdays or Sundays we'll have a daytime market. So we do a flea market, we do a record fair, we do a plant market, um, we do a vintage kilo sale, kind of buy clothes by the kilo. Um, we do sort of workshops in the daytime. So you can do like flower arranging workshops, um, indoor plants, care workshops. Uh, we've done ring making workshops. 
um, pottery workshops, sort of thing. Um, and then in the evening as well, we do sort of comedy, uh, stand-up, theatre, live music. Um, so that's what's up. Been on different days of the week. For everything. It's almost Quite everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, not every week. You know, the, the plant market's only four times a year. You know, the pottery workshops like twice a year. But it kind of builds up so that every week there'll be at least a couple of things going on to kind of keep it busy, keep it interesting, and make use of the space. Yeah. in days where people aren't going to drink as much as they would on a Friday night. So you've got to try and convince them to come down to, yeah. you know, some kind of draft railway arches in Peckham for no reason. <laughs> do you have vendors, like, coming to you? Or how do you guys kind of source who ends up doing stuff in here? Um, sort of promoters and things. Yeah. Um, we, did, we did a lot of stuff in-house to try and prove the space could work for those sorts of uses. Mm-hmm. So um, we tried, we did our own in-house cinema thing, um, which actually... Didn't, didn't work so well um, but then you know we set up markets ourselves and then we encourage people to kind of to kind of follow suit and run it themselves um, so yes most things started in house and then we found people to manage them for us very cool um, so how many of you are now kind of like attached to the space from like a owner manager perspective um, there's still the three of us who started okay um Still, the three of us who started it. Um, then there's a variety. Then there's a couple of full-time salaried managers. Then there's plenty of bar staff and kitchen staff and barbacks and so on. And then they, we've really worked with about twenty regular external promoters, groups, organisations. Peckham Springs' business model is an extreme version of what it looks like to cohabitate in a retail space. But plenty of other young business owners in London and beyond have adopted similar setups. More often, these shared spaces appear in the form of pop-up shops. These temporary retail experiences have become a vital way for online-only and direct-to-consumer businesses to test out a physical retail space. By playing into the limited-time-only angle, they can often draw some serious foot traffic. Elsewhere, small business owners have found that hosting events can help to entice customers to shop in person versus online. These can take the form of dinners, workshops, parties, as well as more formalised shopping events where a maker is present or an exclusive product is offered only to those who attend. With a constantly rotating schedule like Peckham Springs, it's tough to know what will draw a crowd. But as Guy explains, six years in, patterns have definitely started to emerge. What is this, what's the stuff that goes crazy? What are the things where it's uh, just like nuts in here? Uh, well, it's just like an event. Like, so this, this plant market had, had like thousands of people attending on the, the, the social media events. And then when it came to it, it was a really sunny day. Yeah. And we were with people trying to get in at like 10 a.m. And people were trying to buy beers at half past 10. And we were just like <laughs> trying to get everything ready. And then it just, it just went and went and went and went and went. And it was great. Um, but, you know, everyone's kind of, it's like being in a nightclub. And you, except you're in a daytime <laughs> you know, plant yeah, market. Exactly. Um, but, you know, it's just when there's lots of people um, or when you get just a bit caught out by something you know, yeah. tech-wise or mm. obviously music equipment, that sort of stuff, you know, mm. standard things might go wrong. Do you get, like, do you think this is kind of, this is the future? Do you think more mixed use spaces are going to be, you know, um, everyone's going to be inspired by you guys, what yeah. you're doing? No. <laughs> Never left um, the door open. <laughs> um, is this the future? Um, I don't know. I think what makes us quite unique is that the space, we're not a traditional pub. Mm-hmm. We're not a tra- traditional bar. Um, we're also not a traditional kind of market space. You know, yeah. we can kind of do a bit of all, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, um, I'd, I'd say maybe more, the more the future is kind of developing 
spaces that wouldn't necessarily be thought about. Well, kind of being creative with spaces, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to see the potential of, oh, there's outdoor space, there's indoor space, how can we get them to work together? Are there um, more of them like this around here? Or in London in general? Yeah, well, like um, yeah I mean, you've got like, even like the Bussy Building, Copeland mm. Park, Levels, you know, they're all kind of mixed-use spaces. Mm -hmm. I think people definitely want, I mean, also, you know, I think the idea that people will just go to licensed premises and they will be able to make enough money just selling drinks. I think that's unrealistic. Yeah. You know, I think you need to give for people people a reason to come down. Otherwise, you need to be looking to get a bit of money from higher fees. You know, even little things that can make all the difference. You need to make sure your space is getting used all the time. You know, like trying to run a nightclub. Now. Yeah. You know, it's open 12 hours a week, <laughs> whatever. Mm. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, so I think maybe there's a financial incentive. Totally. Yeah. Do most of your, do you reckon most of your customers come for all of the events, or are they, do you have some that are just here for the for the boozing? Oh yeah, no. I think what we um, I think what we wanted to try and make sure is that there's always you know you're never charging on the door itself. Yeah. You know, if someone wants to go to an event, they can still come in, buy a drink, have a catch up with their mate, have a chat, whatever it is. Um, but also have an event going on in. So and obviously we've got different railway arches, so you can have a small event in a different railway arch, another event in another railway arch, but you can still hang out outside under the heaters and enjoy a cocktail. So I think you've got to provide both. But on a Wednesday night, we won't get enough customers to have enough staff to stay open unless we've got an event bringing 30, 40 people down yeah. just to kind of give it that, that back that backbone. From like a promotion perspective, do you like lean on the promoters to do all of that? Or how do you guys get the word out about um, stuff? It's a mixture. I mean, we do our own. I mean, if it's a good event, the word will get around, you know, and we've got a website, we do press releases, we've got contacts in Time Out, Evening Standard, that sort of stuff, who will write about something if they think it's good. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, that seems to help, but obviously the promoters need to do some work as well. Where do you like to go when you're not here? Like, what's uh, exciting to you? Oh, not being here. No, <laughs> I love this. This is the most exciting place in London. Um, I, I don't know, I, like, I mean, I like normal things, going to the pub, going clubbing, going to the park. Um, there's not, I probably wouldn't say I've got one particular venue that I really love at the moment. Yeah. You have one or two arches, two we arches. We had those two beginning. arches, yeah. yeah. And so there was a fence and we had loads of shipping containers and stuff yeah. here. So there wasn't, it was all a bit wiggly. Um, <laughs> it was pretty cool, but like it's impossible to clean. And <laughs> if there, I mean, if, if there was a fire, I don't know how anyone would have got out of it. All these things I know are wiser and slightly older. Um, sorry. Um, so, but yeah, no, it has developed quite a lot. I and mean, it's still a bit of a struggle. And like, we've done quite a few events where you think, you know, you spend three hours setting up, like moving with this furniture <coughs> and these sleepers and everything. It's like really long and then no one turns up and no one buys a drink. Yeah. And you get a good hype. That was <laughs> that one didn't quite work out, and like you know these flea markets, people might come down, but they're not still not really buying drinks. Yeah, and you can only charge you know you charge 150 quid for a high fee. It's not really going to go that far, but you know you try stuff out and you keep reinforcing the name and the brand and that sort of stuff. And learning, but also it's funny because I think the most people that you talk to about this and the thing that we've talked about a lot is that a lot of these spaces exist to begin with for financial reasons, but that tends to be a catalyst for doing the more interesting stuff because yeah. you're like making use of what you've got and no, yeah no that's true no I mean we do I mean I'll be honest we like, we like using the space as much as possible yeah you know and it is it does create more work but it's more fun yeah. to know that it could be going on although tomorrow night we've got an event in there and it's like a kind of you, so you have 60 seconds 
you put your name down and you get given 60 seconds on stage and it's up to you to say whatever story you want or to do whatever you want or whatever performance piece or recite whatever yeah. and then so you have like 100 people oh. all doing a minute of wow. performance it's really really cool even though the way businesses share space is evolving the learnings are the same no matter who you talk to Sharing space gives young entrepreneurs an easy way to get their business off the ground and stay afloat in a competitive market. For more established retailers, sharing space has also become a way to expand their customer base through hosting other businesses. Most importantly, though, sharing space is about partnership. In each of the examples we looked at, the parties all recognized that they were teaming up to make something greater than the sum of its parts. They talked about reaching people who might have never interacted with their brand, They talked about community building, and they talked about learning new things by seeing their business through someone else's eyes. As we see more and more brands team up to form partnerships, we can't help but notice a through line. Sharing through brand collaborations or pop-ups or social activations can drive reach and headlines, but it's the organic, community-focused ones that tend to break through. (laughs) 